Good evening. It's uh, good to be back with you tonight. Um, we'll pick back up and uh, <coughs> carry on with Bible study tonight. We, uh, I, I say this every week. I know I just jump on it random times, uh, but that's a fortunate thing about technology is everybody can watch whenever they uh, have the time. So, but uh, we uh, we won't pick back up. Um, I, I'm actually going to do this tonight, probably. Uh, I want to talk about the first three verses of, verse, of chapter number 12 because we finished chapter 11 last week and then we'll probably uh, more than likely just kind of do a recap uh, of, of where we've gotten to uh, so far in the book of Romans. It's, took us, it's taken us uh, quite a while. Um, we've probably been in this almost since, the, I don't know, the beginning of the year. Um, but uh, we wanted to take as much time as, we, uh, as it took us to get through it. Um, but we are thankful and appreciative uh, that we can have this time and this opportunity to study God's Word together. I appreciate uh, everybody that's uh, praying and watching, and um, we'll uh, move forward here in just a few minutes. But uh, we do want to go to the Lord in prayer before we get started tonight. <clears throat> so uh, we'll pray, and then if you have your Bibles with you, and you'd like to, well, like I said, we're probably just only going to read about three verses out of chapter number 12, and then we're going to try to do a recap of what we uh, studied in the first 11 chapters, uh, because that's kind of the primary emphasis of the first couple, three verses of uh, the 12th chapter. So uh, with that, uh, our Father, uh, Lord, we thank you, God, for this day. We thank you for this privilege, this opportunity that you've afforded us to study thy word. We thank you, Lord, for your, uh, the promise and the hope. Uh, of a future home in heaven through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, your many gifts, your many blessings, God, which you bestow upon us. We pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, in this trying and troublesome time. Uh, God, we pray for our nation. We pray for our country. We pray for our leaders. Uh, pray that, uh, God, that you would intercede, intervene. Lord, and I pray most of all that you would change hearts and minds. Uh, and God, let us set, a, uh, set our desires and our focus and our eyes upon thee and upon heavenly things and i know when we do that uh give us uh you'll give us the uh, the direction that we so desire uh long and need in this present day and hour father thank you lord once again for your precious word take it tonight god we pray as we open it and as we study it and we read it uh god that we would uh use it for profit not for error uh, but God, we would rightly divide the word of truth tonight and whatsoever uh, would be done, God, that uh, would give you praise, honor, and glory for what you do. If we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so I just want to say this. We're going to pick up with uh, about the first three verses of chapter number 12. I'll say that again. And then after that, we're probably just going to kind of do a recap. I've got something on my heart tonight that, uh, uh, that we really want to go through. Um, and... Uh, uh, those of you that didn't see or don't know, uh, thankful that uh, the Lord gloriously saved Anna Lee Saturday night here at the house in the living room. And we thank God for that. Um, she, uh, she wanted to exercise her right last night. We took her to Silver City and she joined the church uh, to be baptized. And uh, uh, that'll be coming down the road soon when we can get all that <coughs> orchestrated and settled out. But... Uh, uh, but we're thankful for that, thankful for what God has done in my home uh, and in my family. Thankful for my children and my wife and uh, my wonderful family that God has blessed us with. Uh, my good Christian uh, raising that I had the privilege uh, of enjoying uh, my life. And, and we're, just thank we're, we're just very thankful tonight. And uh, my pastor and I, we had, a, uh, we had a good conversation yesterday and today. Um, and you know, there's just, uh, this topic that we've been dealing with and the whole reason that we really went through and studied the book of Romans, we won't talk about it, uh, in detail tonight. We're going to go through this and, but as we pick up in, in chapter number 12, uh, like I said, I'm just going to probably stop about the, the, uh, the first two or three verses right here. And we're going to, we're going to talk about some things and then, uh, if we have time and runway, we'll do some more, but if not. Uh, we, we want to spend a little time with this. But in chapter 12, verse number 1, the scripture reads, it says, uh, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, 
acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service, and be not conformed uh, to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given <clears throat> unto me that every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are in one body in Christ, and every one members of another. So I uh, apologize, read more than I thought I was going to read, but we really want to focus on these first three verses uh, of the 12th chapter of the book of Romans, and I'm not I'm not so sure how much Bible study exactly we'll do tonight, but uh, as we talk about this, and we got into the book of Romans, and we did this for uh, premise and understanding of God's gospel and, and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, what he was trying to execute in the early church, what he's trying to execute today. And I'll say this, when we read the word of God, we should read it, we should find out what it said to them, who it was talking to, and what it says to us. That's how we should read the scripture. That's how we should study the scripture and try our very best to seek God's will in understanding the word of God. Uh, friends, listen, and, and there's been so many people, uh, and, and I'm not excluding myself. A lot of times I think to take things out of context, and we take people out of context often uh, and all the time when we're going through and just having general everyday conversations. Uh, but we get to this point right here where we need to understand what the context of the Word of God is. But Paul, he gets into this right here. And so we went through, uh, and like I said, I just kind of want to rewind this, and we're going to finish up with chapter 12, those first three verses. But we get in uh, to the book of Romans. And like I said, uh, when Paul uh, first, we'll, we'll recap and say this, Paul wrote uh, to the church in Rome. They had a population roughly of about a, a million, uh, about a million people, 45 to 65,000 Jews. It was uh, approximately encompassed around 10 square miles. Uh, and listen, this was a place, this was a central hub uh, for the early church and the central hub uh, of all the economic status and everything that transpired essentially went through Rome. Uh, all the economics were driven through Rome. All the laws and all those things were handed down through Rome. And so we get to this point right here and Paul begins to address this. And this is the, this is the last place, if you read Paul's writings, you'll, you'll begin to understand and comprehend that Paul wanted to end his journey in this. Uh, we see that we're, we can read in the book of Acts on his third and last missionary journey when he was uh, pursuing and pressing through. Uh, we know that uh, he encountered a snake bite, a shipwreck, and he said, I must go to Rome. And he presented himself before the kings of Rome, and he, and he preached to them the gospel. Uh, but friends, listen, we get to this place right here, and, and the things that he was identifying are the key characteristics of the gospel. And friends, listen, I want to say this. The gospel stands alone, and it stands by itself. And, and we should never conflate any kind of doctrine or denomination uh, into the gospel. Uh, friends, listen, we shouldn't say that we uh, that uh, the, the Baptist uh, religion and the Baptist doctrine is the gospel because it's not. The gospel stands alone. Uh, and listen, we affiliate and we align ourselves with different people, places, and different doctrines. Uh, but friends, listen, we align ourselves and we posture ourselves in accordance with what we best believe fits and aligns with the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he was, that he came to this earth, uh, that he did not have to come to this earth, but he chose willingly to, to submit himself uh, and come down to this low land of sin and sorrow to dwell among sinners, uh, to be conceived by a virgin, and her name was Mary, uh, conceived by the Holy Ghost, given birth and was walked and lived among us for 33 and a half years. He willingly subject himself uh, to the cruel uh, penalty and uh, of the crucifixion of the cross. He willingly subjected himself to those things. He went to the cross of Calvary willingly. Uh, listen, it was not coerced. It was not uh, something that, uh, that he was forced into. This is something the Bible tells us. We never need to forget this. In 1 John chapter number 4, and we quote this often, Jesus, or, or uh, the Bible tells us in 1 John, when John wrote this, this was the word that he, uh, that he had from the Lord. He said, not that we love God, but that he first loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sin. And that word propitiation is the, uh, if, we, if we run it back to 
uh, the Hebrew original Hebrew language. It's that word hilamos, uh, which is to be translated or interpreted the place of mercy. It's the same language that we used when uh, Moses established uh, the mercy seat. So friends, listen, Christ is our place of mercy. He is our place of grace. He is our place of joy and forgiveness and hope. And without him, we have nothing else. So uh, listen, we put all of our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Bible said, for we, for not that we love God, but that he first loved us. And that's key to understanding the gospel, friends. Listen, it's not that we love God or that we, uh, that we can do anything to attain our righteousness. The Bible tells us in Titus 3, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and renewing and regenerating of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So friends, listen, we get to this point where we understand and I want to talk about three things tonight. I want to talk about the initiation. I wrote these three things down. The initiation, the seeking, and the saving. Uh, friends, listen, those are three characteristics of God. Uh, friends, listen, they're not of man, but they're of God. The initiation. Listen, we get into this and we talk about this. So we're talking about the gospel. What is the initiation of the gospel? Friends, listen, we must first understand that when Christ went to the cross of Calvary, that he gave himself willingly on that old rugged cruel cross that place called Golgotha, he surrendered and he submitted himself uh, under the cruel hand of man. Uh, listen, and he died a needless death. Friends, listen, what, what man in that day and time, what they would deem as needless, but friends, listen, it was absolutely essential to our eternal life. So friends, listen, we get to this point where Christ surrendered and he submitted all. He yielded up the ghost on the cross of Calvary. He said, I Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He gave up the ghost. He declared it is finished. Uh, listen, the Bible says, uh, friends, uh, after that very moment, listen, he ascended them to the Father. He presented the sacrifice. The, the sacrifice was received uh, after the similitude of Moses as, he, uh, as Moses erected the tabernacle in the temple and he uh, and he exercised all the Levitical commandments uh, listen those were just foreshadows and things that Christ would execute in the future and fulfill and consummate on the cross of Calvary so when Jesus consummated all things he made his offering to the father and he finished all things. Uh, when he completed all those things, listen, he ascended to the Father. The Bible tells us that he came back, that he dwelt among them 10 days. He ascended back to the Father on the 50th day. What we know in the, earth, in the, in the church and the Christian tradition as the day of Pentecost is the day that the indwelling, the third person, Holy Spirit of God, it descended out of God. The Bible, you can read it in Acts chapter 2, uh, where it descended out of heaven uh, as, as, as a fire and cloven tongues as a great mighty rushing wind descended upon the children of God and it indwelt them and it embodied them. Uh, so friends, listen, the Bible teaches us that Christ in conquering death, hell, and the grave, uh, that he is the supreme authority and that is the gospel. The gospel is the Lord Jesus Christ that God the Father surrendered his son, uh, the, uh, the incarnate second person of the Trinity surrendered his son to come down to this earth to live in this low land of, of sin and sorrow, dwell among us, go to the cross of Calvary, uh, offer himself as the supreme sacrifice, ascend uh, back to the Father, uh, and reconstitute, reclaim all things. Friends, listen, when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary, he didn't die just for man. He didn't die just for sin. He died for the cosmos. That's what the Bible is talking about in John 3, 16. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, friends, listen, so God, listen, when he died for the world, that word world in the Greek is the word cosmos, which encompasses the first, the second, and the third heaven. Uh, friends, listen, he died for much more. Uh, listen, you may say, well, preacher, that sounds blasphemous. No, uh, he died for much more than me. He died for much more than you. He died for everything. Amen. We can see this when we read in Matthew 24 when the Bible tells 
tells us when Jesus was in the flesh, and when Jesus was in the flesh, he went, the Bible says that he fasted 40 days. He found himself in the wilderness and the devil came to him and he tempted him and offered him because he is the prince of the power of the air. He had dominion over all things, but I'm glad in Revelation chapter one that Jesus said, behold, I have the keys of hell and death. Uh, friends, listen, he has reclaimed, he has ransomed, he has bought back all things. And because he has ransomed, redeemed, and bought back all things, friends, listen, uh, this uh, Calvary was much, uh, was more, uh, uh, was more, more than just me. It, 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 uh, listen, it reclaimed and it ransomed and redeemed all the world's system. The Adamic state that was constituted when Adam and Eve were put here on this earth in the perfect order, in the perfect state, he reclaimed all those things because he will reestablish all those things in the new heavens and the new earth. And that's another topic, another time, another subject. But friends, listen, we get to the gospel. The gospel, friends, listen. And we see, we back up to Romans 1. What is the gospel? The gospel is defined uh, for us in Romans 1, 16. And I, and I say and quote this often, but Romans 1 and 16, the Bible said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, and it is written, the just shall live by faith. So friends, listen, we have the power of the gospel. And like I said, uh, listen, as we're kind of doing a recap and, and talking about the first three verses of Romans 12, this is in consummation. This is the entire recap of what Paul is talking about, what he's written about, what he has sought these people over. Uh, friends, listen, he's telling them, he said, I I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Friends, they listen, if I ever want to see anything, uh, resound uh, ever more clearly and loudly, especially in this troublesome time and wearisome time that we're uh, that we're experiencing in this world, in this country today, uh, is that the gospel, friends. Listen, we should be if we could be as excited about anything, we should be excited about the gospel. If we're going to be ashamed, we should not be ashamed of the gospel. We should be ashamed of our sin. We should be ashamed of our sinfulness, of our unrighteousness, and of the things and all the many things that where we failed and violated God's will and God's law. But friends, we should never be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. Friends, hey, listen, the gospel is the entrance into eternity. Without the gospel, we have nothing. And friends, hey, listen, we're not going to heaven because we're Baptists. We're not going to heaven because I'm a preacher in, uh, personally and independently. We're not going to heaven because of our great meritorious works, because we pastor churches and where we serve or where we teach or we're a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. We're going to heaven because we have by faith believed the gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have believed, amen. And we're going to talk about this uh, in detail tonight. So Paul, he is seeking, uh, and he and listen, he, he's talking to the Jews and the Gentiles both. But he's uh, a good portion of Rome's, he, he, uh, of, of the book of Romans, he's specifically addressing the Jews of that day and time. But does that mean that it has no application to us today? No, that does not what, that is no uh, stretch of the imagination what this means. Friends, listen, every page, uh, of every scripture, of every word that we have uh, in, in this precious word of God is for you and I. But we, it is left up to us to understand what God would have for us uh, as we see this. And I got to do something right quick. I forgot to turn my phone. My apologies. I didn't turn my phone. Do not disturb mode. Somebody will call on the video. We'll cut off in a minute. <clears throat> but uh, as we uh, were talking about the power of the gospel, the essentialness of the gospel. Without the gospel, we have nothing. And listen, 
Uh, friends, listen, I, and you've heard me talk about this at great length. Friends, listen, when we talk about the cross of Calvary, we talk about the atonement, we talk about how, all those things that were offered for us. Friends, listen, we need to clarify this real or uh, uh, specifically and explicitly. The cross of Calvary didn't save anybody. And I know that's eye-raising to a lot of people. The cross of Calvary did not specifically forgive anybody's sins. The cross of Calvary forgave sin in general. The cross of Calvary made all men savable, and it's extended to all men. But friends, listen, for us to have the application of the atonement and to enjoy the gospel and have eternal life and be saved, we must believe the gospel. Friends, listen, people today, they don't go to hell because uh, uh, their sin is not paid for. They don't go to hell because their sin is not forgiven. They don't go to hell. They don't spend, uh, uh, listen, eternity in, in a godless separation because there is no provision for them. They, they spend the eternity separated from God because in their unbelief, they have blinded their eyes, they have ears that cannot hear, and they have a heart that cannot perceive. They have hardened themselves against the gospel. Listen, God has not hardened them. They have hardened themselves because they would not receive joyfully the gospel that is available to save them. Friends, listen. So we see this. So the gospel is the uh, it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Friends, listen. That is the key verse and and the key to understanding this, uh, uh, the understanding and entirety of the gospel. Uh, friends, listen. You must believe the gospel. Just having and possessing the gospel is not enough. You must believe the gospel. And I'm glad, friends, listen, that we can believe those things. And I'm glad that it's really that easy and really that simple. People make it uh, uh, exorbitantly hard. Uh, friends, listen, we, we have taken salvation. Uh, listen, we have told people that they have to meet certain criteria. They have to look a certain way. They have to cry a certain way. They have to go to a certain place and do a certain thing. Uh, friends, listen, when you, meet, uh, when you meet the conditions of the gospel, friends, listen, when we meet the terms and the conditions of the gospel, what are those terms and what are those conditions? We come to God with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. What, is, what specifically does that mean? That means that we realize that we are sinful creatures, that we have sinned against God, and that we in and of ourselves are unrighteous, we are unworthy, and we are hell-bound, and we need God. We must have God. Without Him, we have nothing. So friends, listen, we come to this place right here, and I want to talk about this for just a few minutes. We get to this point right here, and I apologize if it's cutting out. It told me it was trying to reconnect, so I'm sorry. Uh, if the audio or the video, either one is bad. Uh, but we get to this point right here. Listen, the Bible tells us, uh, listen, uh, it says in verse number 18, for the wrath of God is revealed against heaven, against all ungodliness, against unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. It says, because that when they had known, uh, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. And you've heard me say this once. You've heard me say it a hundred times. Friends, listen, God is the initiator. God seeks. Now, should we seek God in turn? Absolutely. The Bible tells us, seek and we shall find. Seek him while he may be found. These are all active verbs. God requires and commands us to go and seek after him. Seek him while he may be found. Now listen, he says, his arm is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. Friends, listen, we, we understand that we must make an attempt to seek God. Uh, Francis, if you never seek God, if you never respond to the gospel, you'll never simply and purely, you will never be saved. Now, friends, listen, when I say this, that God is the initiator. God is the one who first sought us. Amen. That's what we're talking about in 1 John chapter 4. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. Amen. He first loved us. 
So God is the initiator. God has always been the initiator. God has always been seeking. God has always been searching. We'll get to man's responsibility here in just a few minutes. But friends, listen, I'm talking about God, how God actively, and listen, how he actively possesses and pursues humanity, friends, today. The cross of Calvary was a pursuit of man. The cross of Calvary was a pursuit of, a pursuit of sinners. Uh, friends, listen, we just talked about this. It's much, it's much more than man. It's much more than just sinners. It's all the world and all the systems and all the things that are, uh, that are contained within those. But friends, listen, the cross of Calvary was an active seek and an initiation to, to save humanity. Friends, listen, and we get to this. So God is always the initiator. I want to overemphasize this tonight, friends. Listen, because there's so many people today, they say, well, uh, because man has the ability to respond, therefore God does not initiate. No, that's not what the Bible says. That's just what people say uh, because they don't take the time to understand what the word of God says. So friends, listen, the Bible tells us that we can look around, listen, we can see the birds, we can see the clouds, we can see the skies, we can see the creation, we can see all the things that are around us according to the word of God, amen? And the Bible says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away, amen? So I'm gonna take the word of God over what everybody else thinks or their opinions or, or, or whatever they wanna interject into things. So friends, listen, we get to this. The Bible says in verse 20, uh, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and his Godhead. So friends, listen, we can turn around, we can look, and we can see all these things, we can understand, we can come to the realization and understand, hey, we can see God, we can see a creator. There's something greater, something bigger than we are. Friends, and that is God's initiation and his purpose in seeking humanity. Uh, Francis, he wants us to see the beauty of his creation. And we and listen, in response to seeing his creation, the Bible tells us that we should seek him. Friends, today there has been an overwhelming majority of people. Uh, listen, I can, I can count them in manifold. Uh, listen, all the buckets in the world cannot hold the people that are sitting in a church pew today that are lost and headed to a godless eternity in hell. Uh, listen, they have the gospel preached to them. They have a Bible in their home. They have a Bible in their lap. They're sitting there waiting on God to do something. Look around, friends. Listen, what has God done? What has God created? What did Calvary do? Did he really mean what he said when he said it is finished? Is there something extra? Is there something more that needs to be done? Because that is the posture that the lost world has taken today. And I'm not going to put all the onus on the lost world. That's the posture of the church. We're sitting there waiting on God to do something. He's gifted us supernaturally gifted us whether it's a gift to preach or a gift to minister or a gift to sing or a gift to serve a gift to pray and we sit there idly Sunday after Sunday week after week and year after year and we say God what would you have me to do and God's talented us in marvelous and mysterious ways but yet we never exercise it Friends, I preached on Sunday morning about stirring up. Friends, listen, it's time that we stir up by way of remembrance. Uh, listen, and we possess the reins and possess the talent, possess the ability that God has embraced us and gifted us with. Uh, friends, listen, I'm going to tell you something. That service may not always manifest itself in the church. God has gifted me, I believe. Uh, listen, uh, in the public sector, uh, in the public sector, in my job and in my occupation and through my occupation, I can, uh, listen, I can reach probably more people through the people that I interact with on a daily basis probably than I'll ever reach through the church. I don't know that to be an absolute truth or not. But friends, I can tell you this. God has gifted us. God has, I want you to hear me. God has gifted you with something. Friends, listen, and you need to exercise it. You need to use it for God's glory and God's honor. Friends, listen. So we see all these things. So God is the initiator. God is the seeker. 
I, friends, listen, I, and God is the Savior. So, friends, listen, I, I'm going to work my way through this because I've been talking way longer than I ever anticipated, and I'll never, ever get through this recap. But we, we move on. Uh, listen, so God, we see that uh, he, he lays down, he establishes uh, that the, the gospel is the power of God. We see the responsibility. We see because God has sought, because God is the initiator, now the responsibility is no longer on God. See, friends, listen, uh, this is the posture of the church. This is the posture of the sinners. They say what well, they sit there and they say, well, uh, unless God does something, uh, unless God moves something, unless God tells me something, unless God pulls me somewhere, uh, then friends, listen, then it must, it must not be God's will. You know what the Bible says? Th that you're without excuse. So stop making excuses. Uh, listen, we can make all kinds of excuses. Uh, listen, there's more than I can count. Uh, but friends, listen, the Bible tells us that we are without excuse. And I quote this a lot too in Acts chapter 17. The Bible says that the Bible, uh, the scripture says that the days of ignorance have passed and God hath commanded all men everywhere, therefore, uh, to repent. So friends, listen, the onus is no longer on God. Stop blaming God. Amen. Right, friends, listen, there's lost people in this world today. The, you know what the Bible tells us? That it's God's will to seek and to save that which was lost. First Peter 3, 9, he said, The Lord is not slack concerning his, uh, uh, his promises. Some men count slackness, but his long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come unto repentance. So, friends, listen, when we get to this point right here, we, we, we begin to see this common denominator in the word of God that God has initiated. God has sought. God is drawing. God is is wooing. God is begging. Friends, listen. Uh, but listen, it's the ultimate responsibility and the burden is on humanity. It's on me. It's on you to respond to what he's already given and go forth. Uh, listen, and go forth uh, and do that which he has commanded. Amen. He said, go forth at the great commission of the church. Go the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Listen, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. The Lord wants us to go. He wants us to do, friends, because he has sought. He has, and I'll, I'll talk about this in just a minute, because there's a lot of people, they, they hear me talking, they hear me preaching, they say, well, preacher, you sound like you don't even believe in conviction. Absolutely, I believe in conviction. Listen, the Bible tells us this. Listen, I was convicted when I was saved. I believe that somebody, it, listen, conviction is a requirement of salvation. Uh, listen, if you meet God on his gospel terms with a broken and a contrite spirit, that broken and contrite spirit is a result of conviction. When conviction comes and we find and we understand in truth and reality uh, uh, our sin and our separation and our unrighteousness, that is what brings us to the state uh, of brokenness and being in a contrite or a sorrowful spirit. That's what brings us to that place is because we understand that conviction is now full and finished. And we understand that we must seek him while he may be found. Friends, people today are sitting, they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting, and they're going to wait into and listen to an uh, eternal godless hell. That's how long they're going to wait. And what a sad reality that it is. And I want to say this, friends, listen, I myself am guilty of party of this. I'm trying my best to rectify it. And if God would let me stand again in every pulpit that I've ever stood in, I would try my best to rectify this. Friends, listen, people need to seek God. They need to respond to the gospel. They need to run to him. Friends, listen, you need to answer. You need to answer. Friends, listen, stop sitting, stop waiting. Uh, friends, listen, I'm going to tell you this. I would encourage our young people. You say, well, I, I, I'm not lost. I'm not convicted yet. Still go. Amen. Still go. Still seek him. Amen. Because eventually if you keep going and if you keep seeking, I promise you because it's a biblical truth, you will find him. Amen. But you must not sit and wait. I preached a message a few weeks ago, preached it many times. Uh, you'll find it in the book of Second Kings where uh, the four leprous men, they said, why sit here till we die? Friends, listen, why are we just sitting here waiting on God to do something? Friends, listen, when he's given us everything and he said, go forth and possess it. So many people, I believe that we, uh, we have postured ourselves today in the modern church uh, just like uh, the, the tent or the, you know, when the Bible says that they went out and they possessed 
Uh, God had given them Canaan land. And the scripture says that uh, they went out and they got up 12 spies, one from every tribe. And they sent them out. Caleb and Joshua was involved in that. They went off. The Bible says that all 12 spies came back. 10 of them came back first. And they said, there's giants in the land and we can't go over there. And we can't possess anything. And Bible says that here come Joshua and Caleb lugging their way off the hill. They're way behind everybody else. Why? Because they were bringing back fruit from the country. The Bible said that they brought back a grapevine that they had to carry between them because God had blessed the land so. Listen, and Caleb and Joshua came down while everybody else said, stay and don't go and don't move. Caleb and Joshua come off the mountain. They said, look at the fruit in the land. Yes, we know there's giants over there, but God has given us the provision. God has made a way but we must go we must possess it while God has provided friends listen and that's my encouragement uh, to the church today is that we would just go and we would move friends listen it's not time to wait there's people waited uh, into eternal hell uh, friends, listen, there has people that, uh, that have sat there and there's churches that are dying on the vine because they're waiting, they're not working, they're not exercising their gifts, they're not preaching, they're not singing, they're not playing, they're not doing anything. Uh, friends, listen, they're sitting there waiting. What are you waiting for? God has commanded us to go. Now listen, we'll get into this. Then we get into chapter two over here uh, and the scripture begins to elaborate a little bit more. And I love this in, in chapter two in verse one, the Bible says, therefore thou art inexcusable, old man. Uh, so friends, listen, we see uh, further uh, the, uh, the responsibility of man. Listen, it's not God's fault. Stop blaming God. God is the initiator. God has sought, God has seek, and God will save. But friends, listen, we are responsible. We are the guilty party. We are inexcusable. And friends, my, uh, listen, I want to tell you something. God is waiting on us. So listen, the Bible tells us. Now we get into the, uh, the God's plan of salvation. We see how this begins to mature and fulfill itself as we get through here. And the Bible tells us we get to this point and, and we build uh, to this point in Romans chapter 2. At the end of it, the scripture says, well, we're, uh, he's talking specifically to the, Jew, uh, to the Jewish people. And he says, circumcision is not no longer of the letter, but it's of the heart. Amen. He said the Jew is not one outwardly. And he said that circumcision is not outward in the flesh, but that circumcision is in the heart. How do we accomplish it? How do we achieve those things? Number one, we respond to his initiation. And then we believe on the gospel, which is the power of God unto salvation in chapter one, verse number 16. And if we do those things, so then the Bible tells us we get over here. And of course, you know this in the third chapter of the book of Romans, I couldn't hardly get through this because it's one of my favorite passages. The Bible tells us, uh, in, 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 in Romans chapter 3, verse number 20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in this sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being, man, being witnessed by the law and by the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them believe, uh, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And we said uh, many times that word justified and righteousness, uh, listen, they're synonymous terms. So I'm glad, friends, listen, we see in Romans chapter 3 and uh, verse number 10, it says, as is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Preacher, do you believe that? Absolutely. Friends, listen, we're all wicked, wretched, vile, sinful creatures. Listen, but I'm telling you something. Preacher, do you believe in total depravity? Listen, I believe in total depravity. I believe that we're completely separated from God. I believe that we, uh, in and of ourselves, that we, uh, that, uh, that we are unrighteous, that we are unholy, that we are sinful. Does that mean that we are incapable or unable of responding to the gospel? That is never implied in the word of God. I'm not responsible. You've heard me talk about this, about inherited sin and inherited guilt. Friends, listen, I have inherited sin. I was born into this world with inherited sin. My children were born into this world with inherited sin. Yours will 
will be. Your great-grandchildren, those you do know, those you don't know, will be born into this world with inherited sin. But they are not born, therefore, with inherited guilt. You are not responsible for Adam's sin. You are responsible for your sin. Friends, listen, there's no person in this world, in this earth, nowhere, no shape, no form, no how that will go to hell because Adam transgressed in the garden. They will go to hell. They will be separated from God because they sinned. Amen. Friends, listen, I'm telling you something today. The responsibility is on man. It is not on God. The Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter number 18, you've heard us talk about this. In Ezekiel chapter number 18, the scripture tells us, I listen, that the son is not responsible for the father, nor the father responsible for the son's sin. He said, behold, I own all souls. So the scripture tells us and it very plainly, I listen, it very plainly explains to us that we are therefore responsible for our sin, for our injustices, for our unrighteousness. Uh, friends, listen, and, and the Bible says so. So the Bible says now you're all sinners, which we know and we conclude and I agree with, amen? Well, I'm glad that that is part of the gospel terms that we just talked about when we realize our broken and our contract spirit, when the fullness of conviction is finished, it is because we have come to the realization, I listen, that we have sinned against a holy and a righteous God who has sought us, who has initiated his, uh, his great salvific work uh, towards seeking man. He's initiated uh, and consummated all these things and he's seeking us and Francis and we realize that without him that we are unholy unrighteous and forever and eternally separated from him and we must seek him and when we seek him and when we believe upon the gospel we res we are then justified in imputed righteousness and then we'll get then we move on uh, listen I, I, I could preach all night on uh, Romans chapter 3 then we move on to uh, Romans chapter number four, where it talks about that Abraham believed God and he was justified. And because he was justified, he was imputed, therefore, uh, with righteousness. Uh, listen, and it wasn't because he, of his works. It wasn't because of his deeds. It was because he believed. So then uh, we move past this and we see in this fourth chapter where it's uh, overwhelmingly uh, pressing down and bearing down on humanity that it's not of works, which is uh, just a reiteration of Ephesians chapter two where the Bible says, for you are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves, but it is uh, the, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Friends, listen, you've heard me say this. We're not saved. I'm not saved because of my work. Amen. I'm saved because of his work. Uh, his work on Calvary is what allowed for grace to function and be the operative mechanism whereby we are saved, sealed until the day of redemption. So friends, we see this overwhelming, resounding uh, uh, trumpet that blows in chapter number four, that it's not of works, that it's believing. And if you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that you'll be justified and imputed righteousness. We get to the three tenses of salvation. What are the three tenses of salvation? I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. Friends, listen, those are the three tenses. We must understand those as justification. I have been saved. So justified, I have been saved. I have been set free. I've been put in, in legal and judicial right standing with a holy judge, which is God my Father. So we have been saved or we have been justified. We are being saved, which is sanctification. So we're going through this process. God's working and ironing all the kinks out of us. Listen, we pray, we repent, we confess, we read, we study, we prepare. Amen. That is the process of sanctification. When we move from glory to glory. So we get through, we work through this process of sanctification where we are being saved. Amen. I didn't say that we was saved. I said, uh, listen. We were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. So we are justified if we are living and saved. Listen, then we are in the process of sanctification. Then we move on to where we will be saved. And that is the process of glorification. When we leave this temporal body, this house, which we know the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, Paul said, I know if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Amen. So 
So we lay down this uh, this body, this temporal body, and we go out and we step into eternity and listen, and we are therefore then glorified. Amen. So we are in this process uh, uh, of sanctification, whereby we have received, according to the word of God in Romans chapter 8, we received the spirit of adoption. Uh, listen. And then we're going to move on to glorification where the adoption is finalized. So friends, listen, we are, uh, we have been saved. We've been justified. We are being saved. We are sanctified and we will be saved when we're glorified. Thank God that he keeps us, that he loves us and that he watches over us. Thank God for his eternal uh, redemptive plan. Thankful that he holds us tight in his hand. Amen. Then we move on to Romans chapter number five. And that's where we deal with what we just talked about, about uh, imputed guilt and, and inherited guilt. There's, there are two very different things, and people would like to, like to have you believe that they are one and the same, but that, uh, that's, that's, that's stretching the truth uh, to be kind. Amen. Uh, so friends, listen. Yes, we have inherited sin. We do not have inherited guilt. Uh, so friends, listen, we get to this point over here. Uh, listen, the Bible says, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We finish in consummation of uh, Romans chapter five. The Bible tells us, it says, for by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So here we see uh, the conquering. We see the conquering of grace. Amen. So uh, in, uh, in Romans three, we were justified. Romans four, we understand that belief is what saved us. In Romans chapter number five, we understand that we are delivered uh, and we receive grace. Uh, listen, because of those things which Christ has done and performed in us. In Romans chapter number six, then we get to the point where the Bible tells us, uh, uh, it gives us uh, that, the, that our wages of sin, that our inability, that our separation is death, ultimate death. But God's gift is eternal life. But God's, uh, 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 but we get into this newness aspect uh, in chapter number six. And maybe one day we'll talk about this uh, because I, I really want to have a Bible study on, on the word new in the scripture about the new covenant, the new body, the new testament, uh, all these things that we possess. Uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 17, it said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Friends, what are the implications of, of a new covenant? And we see these exercised in Romans chapter number 6. In Romans chapter number 7, we get back into where we're dealing uh, with death and, and being in bondage to the law. Uh, listen, that we can't live under the merits of the law anymore, that we must break away from those things. We can't live a righteous and holy and good enough life, but we must break away. We, we've got to break away from all those things and all the baggage that we brought with us, and we've got to move forward in grace. Romans chapter number eight, one of the most promising uh, chapters that we have, we talk about, uh, as we just discussed, we, we, we receive the spirit of God's adoption. Uh, and whereby uh, he, he, we can declare and cry, Abba, Father. This spirit of adoption is where we're held in this process of sanctification until uh, we move into glorification. We get into uh, where we understand that, uh, that God's knowledge and his omniscience and his omnipotence is far excessive and exceeds anything that we can comprehend or perceive. We understand, Paul, he, he, listen, two of my uh, to my verse, you know, every time I apologize for saying this, I don't apologize, but I do. Every time I say a verse is one of my favorite texts. Uh, if you can't tell, this whole thing is one of my favorites. Amen. So I'm gonna stop saying it. Uh, but in and and uh, 38 and 39, it, it says. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come, height, depth, nor any other creature should be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the the eighth chapter of the book of Romans uh, gives us security. It tells us our standing. It lets us know uh, and comprehend within our own personal experience that we should have hope uh, and satisfaction and that God has has saved us and is is saving us and will save us. And I understand uh, if that language is a little hard to comprehend. But then we get into Romans chapter number nine. We see this hardening aspect. And this is where he deals uh, very uh, exclusively and explicitly uh, uh, and very 
boldly with the Jews where he tells them, said, listen, you've got eyes that you cannot see, you've got ears that you cannot hear, you've got heart that you cannot perceive. And because you have presented, because you have uh, postured yourself in this way, uh, you have therefore hardened yourself. He said, I've strengthened you in your resolve. Because you didn't want to see, he said, I've made you even more blind. Because you didn't want to hear, I've made it where you can't hear. Because you didn't want to feel, I've made it where you can't feel. Uh, friends, listen. The further that we reject the gospel, the further that we move away, God will strengthen us in our resolve. Amen. God will not overpower man's will. Does he have the ability? Yes. Can he do it anytime he wants to? Yes. God can do whatever he wants to do. But friends, listen. God wants a people who will willingly surrender, sacrifice, and serve. So we get to this point right here. We see in Romans 9 where uh, God is dealing with this, this aspect of hardening. Uh, then we get into uh, uh, Romans chapter number 10. And Romans 10 is where uh, a beautiful chapter where he tells them, now we finally get to all this. Now he's told us in Romans 1 uh, that the gospel is the power of God. You're responsible. He told us in 2. Uh, listen, he said you're inexcusable. Uh, listen, and because you're inexcusable, uh, your righteousness will not do. In 3, he said, I can, I can justify you. In 4, he said, believe. And in 5, he said, my grace is sufficient. It, it far surpasses and supersedes anything. In Romans 6, uh, listen, the Bible tells us, he said, uh, that the wages of sin is death. But he's saying, seek a new life. Then we get into seven, and then we see eight, the, the spirit of adoption. We get into nine, where he's dealing with the hardness. Then we get into chapter 10, and he says, I, listen, in fullness, he said, listen, if you'll take everything that I've said, and if you'll believe the gospel, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, he said, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Stop making it so hard. For the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the, uh, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What about that? Amen. If we call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. Listen, uh, we see this in verse 14, 15. Uh, I'm going to read through 17, then I'll move on. It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have, have not heard? How shall they, how, uh, and how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except to be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of, of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Friends, listen, <clears throat> now we get to this point. He said, just confess the Lord Jesus. Believe in thine heart and thou shalt be saved. That is a promise from God. So many people, friends, listen, exercise, move, seek God. Amen. He has initiated, he has sought, and he is saving. I am a witness and I'm a testimony to that. So friends, listen, he said, so faith cometh by hearing. Should we take our children to church? Absolutely. You better. You better submerse them and immerse them in the gospel. Uh, should we read to them at home? Should we pray with them at home? Absolutely. Amen. Submerse them, immerse them in the gospel. Uh, friends, listen, because they'll reach a point. And, and I tell you, I appreciate this uh, about my daughter's testimony. Uh, uh, and I'm not taking anything away from the church. Absolutely nothing away from the church. But friends, listen to me. There was no noise. There was nobody telling her to do this, you know. And I understand everybody has good intentions, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling anybody not to do anything. But, you know, you get in certain scenarios, and you got some people telling them to get up, and some people telling them to get down and go left and go right and give it all up and turn loose and hang on all at the same time. But I'm glad, friends, listen, when, when a heart seeks God, God, see, God is already initiated. God is already seeking. But when that heart responds and it seeks and it begins to reach out, I'm glad that there's a response from the other side. Uh, friends, listen, and I remember uh, 
You know, at the at the time, I didn't know what exactly. I knew what was going on, but I didn't know it was going to happen like it did. You walk in there, and man, she's just broken in the shower, and she finally gets out. It gets in the living room, and she breaks down, and she's seeking and she's begging and she's asking God. And listen, I tell you, like I said, I wouldn't take anything away from uh, from all of it, but but I thought God, thank you so much because all the noise and all the stuff is gone. It's just you and her. And, uh, you know, I, I'm thankful that God reminded me again that if we'll just seek Him, He's already seeking us. Boy, I wish today that a lost and dying world would just say, Lord, what would you have me to do? You know, just like when Peter stood up and preached the first gospel message, uh, the Bible tells us there was 5,000 souls added to the church that day, but they said, men and sirs, what must we do to be saved? Boy, my heart's desire is, is uh, our children, our adults, doesn't matter who you are. I just wish they would seek God because if you seek him, you'll find him. That's what the word says. Ask, you shall receive. Knock, and it shall be opened. Uh, but friends, listen, if we never exercise, we never move forward with those things. But listen, then we get into Romans chapter number 11. And we talk about uh, we talk about Israel and the Gentiles. We talk about the grafting in. And that's what we discussed and finished up last week. Then we get to Romans chapter number 12. And I'm fixing to wind this thing up. I have no idea how long I've been on, but I think it's longer than an hour. So <clears throat> uh, Romans chapter 12 the first three verses, just want to talk about these for a minute and we'll wind this up. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is what he's saying. Now that we've, now that we've recapped all this, we get to this point right here and he says, all I want you to do is present your body as a reasonable service unto me. Listen, he said, a living sacrifice and it'll be holy. And he said, I'll accept it. It'll be acceptable unto me. And he said, all this is just your reasonable service. In verse two, he said, and be not conformed to this world. Friends, listen, this is where uh, I would challenge the church, all that would listen, all that won't listen, all that you can tell. Let's not be what everybody else wants us to be. Let's don't do this because somebody else does that. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do things. There's good things, amen. Uh, there's good things that we can do, but we should do what God impresses and leads us to do. But listen, the Bible tells us, be not conformed to the world, uh, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we talked about this Sunday. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And if we do those things, if we don't conform, but we transform ourselves, then the Bible tells us because we have achieved that status, the Bible says, then we'll be able to prove what is good and acceptable and perfect for the will of God. So friends, listen, that's an encouragement for me. That's a, that's, that's a challenge and an opportunity for me from the word of God that what, what God wants us to be. He, he, listen, we shouldn't conform ourselves. We should transform ourselves so we may be able to prove. Listen, we may be able to prove what's the good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. For I say through the grace given to me that every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. I, I, and I want to stop and leave it. I, I want that to soak in. I want you to hear it. Amen. God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Preacher, I can't believe him. I can't seek him. I can't find him. According to this right here, that's a lie. God has initiated. God has sought. And God said, I'll save. If you'll seek, if you'll believe, and if you'll exercise faith and hit, listen, God has presented this beautifully and perfectly. And listen, he's given us that measure of faith. Amen. That we read about in Ephesians 2. You remember this? For by grace are you saved through faith. 
And that not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God. You see, faith is not a work. Faith uh, is, is a measure that is given to us by God. Amen. And when we exercise that faith and believe the gospel in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, we're gloriously saved. And God's given that measure to everybody. So you are without excuse. My heart's desire uh, is that all men everywhere, men, women, boys, and girls, that's not exclusive to anybody. Men, women, boys, and girls would seek God. They would find him and they would be saved. Friends, listen, I'm glad that, uh, you know, um, I'm glad the closer and the more we seek him, you, you see, that's when conviction comes because a change comes. That's when all that starts boiling to a head. Amen. When you start seeking God, conviction comes with it. Amen. Because, listen, that conviction comes and it starts burning out. All the draw starts purifying, friends. Listen, it gets us to a point where we want to repent, where we want to believe, and where we want to be saved. Uh, I just thought those first, first, first three verses, I thought about that all day. I, I just really, I, I know that wasn't really studying the 12th chapter. Uh, necessarily, but I thought those first three verses was really a voice for uh, the previous 11 chapters that we studied. God bless you. We appreciate you. We love you. Uh, thank you, Timber Ridge. And uh, if you didn't get to watch live, maybe you can get back and uh, watch this later and we'll post the audio recording behind this as well. But uh, good Lord willing, we'll see you back at uh, God's house at Timber Ridge uh, on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. We'll, we'll announce this. So, uh, uh, hopefully people will start getting the word out. Revivals are kicking up. Revivals are running. Let's remember our revival. It's the fourth Sunday in July. And let me tell you what date that is while I'm right here. One, two, three, four. July 26th uh, through July, or August 1st. July 26th through August 1st. We'll be running our summer revival. Brother Chad Dale and uh, Brother Cody Riley be helping us get the word out. Invite people. Invite folks to come. We want to see the law saved. God bless you and we love you. Good Lord willing, and we'll see you Sunday morning.